Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 260. Yan doit, yan doit, yan doit. Are you done yet? My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Ah, oh, television. We talk about it. Yes, we do. That's what you need to know. That's what Box Cutters is all about. It's as simple as that. This week, we're going to be reviewing a, uh, a, a new show called Perfect Couples. Uh, which was a mid-season replacement in the US and uh, has had a number of episodes go to air thus far. Seven. Right, a number of episodes go to air thus far. That, that, that uh, is a number. Seven's yes. a number. Yep. We've, uh, if if, you know, if Brett had said fridge or something... I'd go, that's... That's not a number. W. If you, if you just banged the table or like you know, or just made a monkey noise. W is almost not a, number. a number. It's like two times. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's it, a letter. It turns out to be but two I would, letters. Yeah. I would expect it more, though. What the monkey noise, or or fridge? Then se- like seven was quite an accurate response from Brett Cropley. It was uh, stra- hey, strangely on topic. It wasn't, I'm it wasn't, just here to help. It wasn't just accurate. It was specific. It was yeah, a yeah. very very specific answer. It was. Yeah, it was. I've watched them all. <laughs> so we'll uh, well, you will be an expert then to to talk to us about perfect couples. Yeah. I've watched three of them. Uh, and uh, and yes, we will have that conversation later. And I watched none. So between us, we've seen three and a third each. Did you watch a that's fl- maths? Did you watch a <laughs> flying nun? No, I watched it when I was a kid. Oh, well, yeah. you can talk about that. Okay, just <laughs> just talk about that while we're talking about perfect couples, <laughs> as if it's as if it's one and the same thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I love the bit where her hat made it take off and fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just put put that in. We'll you see if anyone knows as well. There. <laughs> It's amazing. We'll just see if anyone notices. Uh, John, you went to Bendigo Street in Richmond to help dismantle the old Channel 9 studios. <laughs> I did. I, I didn't want to leave anything to chance. I went to Channel 9 with a screwdriver and helped remove bits of it earlier I can't. In the week. I can't wait to find out why, but I will because that's coming up later on the show. Uh, we've also got... Uh, I've got some quotes from during the week because Celebrity Apprentice returned to the world last week mm. uh, and US Celebrity US, US with Celebrity the Apprentice Don? with the Don mm-hmm. I can't wait to tell you about that either but I will because that's coming up later in the show uh, you know what else I can't wait for what can you wait for Toby Halligan's Trotters Yay. they'll be coming up in port but you will wait for them yeah. no I'd really like him to tell us right now <laughs> correct now Toby the things that we will get wrong throughout the show yeah that's that's what I want to bring to the start of the show can we do that can we do that uh, it's no, a, it's a no, I, yeah, I don't think we can. So, so that'll, that'll be coming up later on. Uh, just a, a little bit about letters, uh, some one things, some ones thing. No, that's wrong. That, our, that, our things of one. That makes it someone's thing. Yes, <laughs> that's wrong. Mm-hmm. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Ah, yes, we have no lights in the studio. Uh, Skins. It's moody. It's moody. Skins, the uh, US version of Skins. The US version of Skins that the New York Times had an article about. Oh, my God, we've made uh, 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 kitty porn. Yeah, this is uh, back a few weeks ago. We, we talked about how people were worried that MTV had decided to start making kitty porn uh, because there are uh, 
there, there is a show of young people having sex and taking drugs and, and doing all this stuff, and clearly they haven't. All they've done is remake the UK series Skins quite accurately. Uh, well, it still has sponsorship problems. Uh, it's still facing the wrath of American conservatives, with a lot of companies requesting that MTV not air their commercials during the show. Now, how old are the characters? They're they're finishing high school, so so, so they're, they're 17, 17, 16, 17. Right, so it's not it's not well, it's not legal to the way that we would define it, but I guess it is in certain U.S. states. Is that the idea? I think it's illegal for adults to see young people naked. Right. Really? On on TV, in sexual situations. But it's not like really. You know, said about it, that? I'm not sure about that at all. I don't know. It's, it's not an hour of people just getting up and especially you know, not over sixteen. No, it's it's not it's pointing not, at their genitalia. It's not illegal, but a lot of people think it's immoral. Right. I think that's I think that's where the problem comes in. So well, they shouldn't watch it. Uh huh. <laughs> and yet. So General Motors, Schick, Subway, Taco Bell, and Wrigley, amongst others, have all pulled their advertising. That's one weird product. So go on. I, I just all together. Yeah, it was, wasn't, I, thought, I think it was one ad for the five of those companies involved. The shaving sandwich taco gum car. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> I'd buy that. That car has everything I need to get me going in the morning. Yeah. And come home late at night. It'll get you there, and you'll be fed and looking good. Yeah. I love it. I'd buy that car. Anyway, continue on. Uh, anyway, so they don't want to sell that car. Um, they, so they've all pulled their advertising, leaving uh, really only movies, DVDs, and video games, keeping the, the show afloat. The issue here, though, according to the New York Times, is not that uh, advertisers necessarily don't want to support. That's a weird double negative I put in there. It, so it's not that advertisers don't want to support the show, but that they don't want to be tarnished with the reputation of being associated with, with the, the show. show. Is that not the same thing? Well, you'd think so. They haven't got a problem with the show, but they've got a problem with, with people their, thinking that they think the show. Their is market okay. has an issue with the show, right? And, and and the thing is, their market wouldn't know if they were supporting the show unless they were watching the show and why are they watching the show if they don't like the show oh but they do but but the thing they is, just can't deal with the the temptation of watching the kitty porn on the tv but what they're doing this is what i understand what they're doing is then they're basically shooting themselves in the foot by opening themselves up to a new market so skins is doing quite well on mtv mm-hmm. uh people are enjoying watching it kids are enjoying watching it this is uh, a generation or an age group who are about to enter the market of, well, boys who need to shave, people who need to buy cars, people who like to eat sandwiches. Like, all of these people are, are entering it. But, you know, they're, they're getting jobs. <laughs> are you implying there's an age in which you become an eater of sandwiches? Yeah, yeah it is. And, it's, and that age is 15. So... <laughs> Before that, it's all just, isn't it just all just Gerber baby food? Right. Just spooned in. <laughs> the coming but, of wisdom, the eating of sandwiches. That's what the happens. famous sequel. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. This is, uh, is, isn't that the whole thing of I can jump puddles? <laughs> I can jump puddles and eat a sandwich. And eat a sandwich. Yeah. Goodbye, polio. Uh, <laughs> and he's coming out to get a sandwich. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Flirting brackets with sandwiches. <laughs> no, we <Go>. stopped. <laughs> I, I don't want to take these drugs. 
well, if you really don't want to take these drugs, go ask Alice where she <laughs> bought that sandwich from. So, that was a long, long bow. Long bow, I'm sorry. Uh, so, I, you know, I would think that the the advertisers would want to expose themselves to, to this demographic. At the, but they're, they're not doing it at the expense of... Are you two giggling because I said expose themselves? Well, no, I was giggling because Toby giggled. <laughs> you said we want to expose themselves and Toby giggled and then I thought it was funny. <sighs> That's what I'm dealing with, people. That's what I'm dealing with. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would think they would want to expose themselves to, to this demographic and... Can they I want get, to market to that market. And, and get, them, get them in young. Yep. So they obviously did want to do that, but then the pressure from conservatives who are less likely... Like, they're going to die a lot sooner. Yes. One would think. I just... It doesn't make sense to me. And I'd like to get someone... If anybody out there works in advertising, works in advertising time buying, if that makes sense, the time that people buy on television to advertise... Josh, just... You're talking about Harold Mitchell. Harold Mitchell, if you'll come in. If Harold Mitchell will come in and tell us why these decisions are made, because it doesn't really make any logical sense to me. Uh, but, yeah, I would, uh, I'd, I'd like to find out. John, you've, uh, you've got a piece there? I do. Uh, ads have started this week for a new BBC comedy. It's a BBC4 comedy. It's called 2012. Um, it's a sort of deadpan mockumentary that follows a bunch of people organising an Olympic Games and the event leading up to the Olympic Games and the strange things that happen and the way things fall apart. And that stars Hugh Bonneville, Jessica Hines, Olivia Coleman, and is narrated by David Tennant. I like Jessica Hines. She was in, uh, she, she, she was in Space. She was in Space. Um, Olivia Coleman's fantastic. She was uh, in uh, uh, Peep Show and many other things. Um, it, uh, it, it does sound remarkably actually, also, familiar, though. All of these people have been in Doctor Who. That's the answer to the question. And that, yes, it does it just, sound familiar. It sounds an awful lot like like the games. Did they yeah. read that they are doing a London version of the game? No, well, well, it's it's technically no. not. Not well, at least not as far as John Clark and Ross Stevenson, the creators of the games, are aware. Okay, they um, basically Kath and Kim producer Mick Rick McKenna some years back, about five years ago, went to pitch a BBC version of the games mm-hmm. to uh, the pr- producer John Plowman. Uh, he was head of ABC, uh, head of BBC Comedy at the time, and DVDs of show were also given to writer John Morton, who wrote People Like Us. Um, the fact that producer John Plowman and writer John Morton have now written 2012, uh, a program which seems to be exactly the same premise, is apparently completely coincidental. Uh, oh, that's good. The BBC have told Chortle that 2012 is an original and distinctive comedy series looking at London as it counts down the last thousand days before the games begin written by John Morton who created people like us and broken news for the BBC it's comedy delivered through a distinctive uh, British sense of humour from the viewpoint of the organisers from the organisers yeah. ah yeah. Oh, that's completely different Come here. we've in, in, investigated the complaint made in relation to the games and found no evidence to support the allegations of copying no use of many material driving, driving from the games and we're confident the allegations are without foundation on the drum the ABC website John Clark and Ron Stevenson have said in other words, it seems that in 2008-2009, Morton had already had the idea he'd never heard of and was so excited by and was interested in obtaining episodes of the games only so he could check out how someone had created his original idea in Australia 12 years previously. We have suggested that once Mr. Morton finds out repressed memory is not an Olympic event, perhaps he could return the DVDs. <laughs> now, it is fascinating because this is... I mean, there is that question of 
what is a copy? I think the BBC, I'm assuming, are, are coming down saying, well, the characters are different, although if you watch the trailers, the Hugh Bonneville one's not. Um, and the individual lines aren't the same. Mm-hmm. And you could argue a sitcom, which is about a family who sit around a couch. There are so many of those. They come up the same. But how many TV shows have there been about Olympic Games organisers? Now two... And the second one does seem a lot like the first, especially because and it's the same execution, it's the same style. And yeah, even if, even if legally this is acceptable, which I would find questionable, I think ethically, you know, format rights should have been paid to Clark and I, Stevenson. I believe, I believe, and this is, this is entirely conjecture, but, but I just, I have this feeling in my bones that in 2012... The TV show, we are going to see a little bit where the hundred meter track is only ninety seven point five meters long. Yeah, there are clips available online for twenty twelve for ads, and if you look at them on the websites where people have, then obviously put a clip from the games directly underneath for, them, for you to compare. The, the feel, the vibe is so similar between the two shows, and I do, yeah, I do wonder what is the legal definition that allows the BBC to think it's acceptable that this is not a format right copy of another show. Well, obviously they just don't care about the loss of reputation they're going to experience by being seen as copiers. But they must think legally that they'd get away with it. That's the things I would imagine I there'd be a court case now and they'd lose, is all I can think. But there must only, be a... Only if uh, Rick McKenna, John Clark uh, and, and Stevenson can get the money together to fight a court case in the UK against BBC's lawyers. Oh, okay, so I think this might be the more the juggernaut of issue. all their extra cash. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit embarrassed about. So I think, I, I think BBC are taking a gamble here and just going, look, we could give them some money or we could just kind of hope that they won't be stupid enough to try and fight this in court. Uh, but oh, it is... Uh, it, it really upsets me. Like... I can't. I can't imagine what Clark and Stevenson must feel, but I'm really upset. I feel like we really, really should have become a republic all those years ago. Like, <laughs> screw them so bad. Like, like I just hate mm. them now. I am mm. curious. About I, 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 it makes me want to not watch any BBC shows ever, and that's before I even see the show and make up my mind. But I'm curious on on the legal side of it. It is interesting. But obviously, yeah, obviously there are going to be sitcoms in particular. There's going to be a lot of repetition of basic ideas. So at what point, yeah, at what point does that line get crossed from generic kind of show about cop or, or a show about, you know, a family or a show about a journalist to Olympic organisers, which does seem a quite specific line to be going. But, yeah, what, I'm, I'm curious to know what, what the legal argument will well, be. Well, there is, there is a, a, a thing about acceptable similarity, or understandable similarity, which is uh, for a judge to decide mm-hmm. if it is similar enough or not similar enough. So the only way to find out is to go to court. Okay. And the BBC are clearly willing to do that, which it, it also, considering how, like your experiences, John, of how scared Australian production companies were of being sued by anyone anywhere, mm. it strikes me as so odd that like the BBC would just do this without 
without even just giving a couple of bucks and going, oh, yeah, fair enough, here you go. Yeah, that's what I find weirdest. And I kind of did wonder from this statement whether the BBC were maybe unaware of it, maybe... Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the, the people making 2012 kind of knew, but the BBC as an organisation wasn't aware of the similarity and is now having to take a an, a, a, you know, an approach. Surely to somebody it. from the BBC up at that level of, of involvement of green lighting this sort of stuff was at least aware of. Well, John Plowman was five years ago when he was head of comedy, but yeah, he then left and is now producing 2012. So it's hard to know. Like, yes, did anyone else around him who's still there were they aware of it? But. Yeah, odd. Odd. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't like the sound of it. Uh, in news just quickly, uh, one of my favourite authors, Michael Chabon, and, uh, and his uh, nanny wife, Ayelet Waldman, are apparently going to do a TV series called Hobgoblin at HBO. Ah, finally, a serious D&D drama. <laughs> well, I roll my D20. It, it, so it's, it's it'd be a film like CSI, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, the the the, the D20 be rolled, and the camera would like zoom towards it, as in slow motion. It finally, you know, comes to a rest. Then the dungeon master falls off his glasses and says, "Successful evasion." Well, and, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's going to be starring uh, well Hollywood's only warlock, Charlie Sheen. Ah. Uh, uh, no, that's not how that's not how it works. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're putting together this show where magicians and con men are going to be using their deceptive powers to combat Hitler and the Nazis during the Second World War. Magicians, <laughs> magicians like wizards, or magicians like Job from Arrested Development. I think. I think uh, it's I doing, think it's doing like, their little tricks. I, I, I think it's actually like wizards. No, no, I, I, I think oh, it's really? magicians. Or so I'm going the other way. I think it's actually magicians as in. Oh, stage performers who pre- do prestidigitators, yeah, which does actually make slightly more sense. Um, yes, that makes way. more sense. Yeah. <laughs> then, but I just because I saw hobgoblins and and magicians, and I, so I assumed that it was wizards. No, see now, now I think I'm probably wrong though. Now I'm back to the whole wizards thing. Yeah, so who who knows? No one except for them. Uh, I, I have to say, Michael Chabon has made some amazing things work in uh, in his what's he done literature. Previously? Uh, he wrote well. He he wrote the book that uh, Wonder Boys, the film, was based on. Right. Yep. Uh, he wrote the excellent book, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Uh, the uh, Yiddish policeman. The Yiddish policeman's union, which was a, a fantastic alternative reality uh, novel. It just, I, I think, he's a, he's a great writer. Uh, a beautiful uh, kids' novel called Summerland about baseball. Just really. Uh, which kind of mixed baseball and fantasy. So they go into another world, but that world also plays baseball. And it's, you got to read it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. Like he just, he has that ability to, to take something real and add a, a little element of fantasy to it. Uh, it strikes me as weird. I think if anyone can do it, he probably can. It's good to see that HBO is still taking risks though. So they're developing that. Who knows? Who knows? Not me. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Peter Moon, and you're listening to Box Cutters. Oh, sorry, let me do oh, that I'm going to be seeing Jane Badler sing on Thursday. Oh, she's, she's at the Spiegel Tent. She's at the Spiegel Tent. I'm actually going to see um, it's an event with uh, Paul Capsis, who's performing mm. with many other performers, but she's one of the ones on the bill. I thought, 
That'll be worth a laugh. Oh, that, 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 <laughs> I mean, well, that'll be lovely. <laughs> apparently, she's quite good mm. as a as, yeah. as as a lounge singer. As a chanteuse. Chanteuse. Yeah. Chanteuse. Not a chanteuse. No, because I was recording one of those two weeks ago. Yes. Yes. Um, Brett, Perfect Couples is a show that you made us watch. <laughs> Did I make you? <laughs> I, I just brought it to the table. I said, hey, how about this? Perfect Couples is a uh, a mid-season replacement, as Josh uh, mentioned earlier, on NBC. It, it, uh, it started on the telly back in uh, January. And uh, it's the story of three couples uh, who are also best of friends. Uh, um, a couple of uh, a couple of siblings, uh, and uh, each of uh, at a different point in their relationship, and uh, they seem to spend no time with anybody else in the world. All of their time that's not at work is spent together, and uh, and well, hilarity ensues. Two of them even work together. Yes, uh, uh, yes. So there's so so the couples are there's the high powered uh, the 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 high powered high end uh, car salesman who. Uh, and he and his wife have a, a very kind of holistic, natural. Let's uh, let's say affirmations to each other relationship. Is, uh, Rex and Lee, and Lee played by uh, Olivia, Olivia Munn, Munn, who uh, who's the only face that I recognised from uh, from the uh, G Four show, that Attack she was of the doing Show, for a while, and she was also on the Daily Show uh, as uh, as a special uh, reporter for a little while. Oh, and and who knew such a bad actress? Terrible. Terrible. She actually lets the whole show down, or would, if it was any good. <laughs> if it wasn't such a challenge to out let it down as yeah. with the others. And and so so that's, that's one of the couples. Then there's a, another couple who are just very honest, down to earth, uh, loving, but normal kind of middle of the road mm-hmm. couple. Uh, uh, property salesman, and uh, she she works twelve hours a day. I'm not sure exactly what she does, but I'm guessing this is your Dave Matthews Band listening couple. Like they, they, they you know, back in the day would have liked Hootie in the Blow. I think that you know, if they had time by themselves without the other, without four. the other, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's the uh, the engaged uh, rash. Uh, they have fights, but then they make up. Very, they're very passionate. Uh, but not very good at decision-making couple. She, uh, she's a little bit sensitive about being a hillbilly. They're irresponsible. Uh, and so the six of them together is like friends without sexual tension. And... Or jokes. So, the... <laughs> I mean, this is, this, this is the thing about perfect couples. There are actually some jokes. There are actually... Laughs. There are actually some some pretty good jokes I saw three episodes. There were maybe five good jokes. They were sold really, really badly. They were the the show is terribly directed. It's not very well edited. Uh, it's not very well shot. It makes me wonder how it ever got. Like it really just looks like Amateur Hour from nineteen ninety seven. Was it just because Olivia Munn had done a Playboy? No. Sure? Oh, oh, what did the show get up because Olivia Munn had done a Playboy? Yeah. yeah. Quite possibly, I've I've no idea. Quite possibly, but quite quite possibly they thought, well, it's got Olivia Munn in it. Maybe if she's done a Playboy, then we'll get a whole lot of seventeen-year-olds. To what they didn't realize is that nobody's buying Playboy anymore. No, they didn't realize that. NBC in in the states is, shall we say, embattled. Oh, are they? Is they, that why they have all these mid-season replacements? The, yeah, the shows that they have to kill. They're doing very badly in the ratings. 
uh, have done so for for some time, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they put this to air. I, I I'm amazed that there were seven episodes because maybe maybe this was their life from planet Earth. But seven episodes, and and is it hey, still, still going? going. It's still yeah, going. Yeah, next. It's still going. Yeah. So, but you watched all seven episodes, Brad. I have. Why? Um. Well, I I think there's a lot like there there are weird things about it. Uh, the the absence of of kids or talking about kids amongst these three couples that at different stages of their relationships are weird. Um, there's I, I'm reminded of what about Brian by this show. But what about Brian was fun. What about Brian had the added the the added twist of well all the all the people are paired up, except for Brian, who is not paired up. Mm-hmm. So are you saying it's, it's weird? Good, though. Are you enjoying the show? I don't find it offensive. And, and I, I might get one, one okay chuckle out of it, and I had them all. So I, I figured I'd have a look. <laughs> but like, but I, knowing now what I know, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't bother going to, to any length to, to actually get my hands on it. But what? Like, <laughs> on your deathbed, you're there. <laughs> Knowing now, I wouldn't have watched Don't the watch seven episodes of the <laughs> But what made you watch past it? Like, you only had to watch three episodes. So you've, you've wasted two hours of your life, knowing full well that you were about to waste two hours of your life. Um, I was okay with it. Like, it, I don't know. I'm, I, I think... I think the lack of anything, <laughs> it's, really, it's an indictment, I think, on TV now. The lack of anything that's, that's really aggressively bad about that, uh, that it's uh, acceptable. Jesus, as it comes to this, Josh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's happening. That's kind of what, because it's, I want to know why NBC would put this show on, and clearly they're putting it on in the hope that there will be nothing else for but, people to watch. But I'm wondering, though, if, if it's actually proved that it's working, if Brett's basically saying it's inoffensive and it was background noise, is that what NBC's hoping it will be? Uh, you know, is, it, is it effectively serving its purpose, it's, which is just to be this It's probably got enough. some empowered women in there, so they're probably looking for that, uh, that female demographic. Uh, it's it's the show that uh, both the male and the female in the relationship can watch. Uh, uh, you know, it, it could have been sold in in that way. I've heard I've heard a story about uh, about people trying to get shows up and and kind of getting this description about what they want and and so saying that uh, they want they want the show that the 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 wife is is really into like a Sex in the City or something like that and and the guy going past all kind of. Uh, Look in on it from time to time, and maybe even sit down on the couch with her and watch it with her, and and it may work out like that. Right, but it's but it won't because well, it's not very good, and nobody's uh, going to watch it. Are they not? Um, see, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that our lack of a, a female voice in in this uh, particular circumstance isn't uh, maybe missing out on on uh, that that different perspective. Uh, right, so what you're saying is because ladies, we're all ladies, misogynists. No, no, no. I'm have... not saying that we're misogynists. I'm saying that I'm saying that we don't. <laughs> we we obviously don't have that perspective, uh, and uh, and miss out on that appreciation of it. Fair, fair enough. So that's uh, 
It might be okay for the ladies. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're saying. Oh, you were going so well. <laughs> Perfect couples. Uh, it probably will never air in Australia ever if if we're lucky. And so but you, but you, I you did, say that it'll be the next two and a half men. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I did say it about two and a half men. And you know what? Look how well that did, Charlie Sheen. Hello, this is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven on the box cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. It's true that Box Cutters comes to you free of charge every week with some of the greatest news and opinion about television that there is in this whole wide world. It's also true that it takes a lot of time and hard work to put together every episode. We're trying to expand the coverage we give to the world of television, but we need your help. Every dollar that you donate to Box Cutters goes to helping the wheels keep turning on the hours of research, planning and coordinating that goes into making each episode. Please donate to Box Cutters by going to the website at boxcutters.net and clicking one of the donate options. It would mean a lot to us and directly translate to better content for you. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. John Richards, you went to uh, the Channel 9 studios in Bendigo Street, or the former Channel 9 studios in Bendigo Street. We've done a lot of talk about them closing down. It's a lot of Australian television history that uh, is is going to be turned into apartments so you too can live amongst the ghosts of... Uh, IMT, uh, you went there and started dismantling stuff. I did. And actually, that's, all, that's all, all I know. That's, Why? That's kind Why of did cool. you get to do that? Can I go actually back one step? Have you sure. noticed that there, there does seem to be this thing that, that yeah, closing GTV, TV9, oh, Television City, oh, end of an era. People are kind of trying to make it a media story, but no one really seems to be going with it. Like, even... <laughs> well, nobody <laughs> apart from Channel 9 is going to go and, with it. And but, us. But, but even, I mean, Eddie McGuire wrote a piece for the Herald Sun in which he basically tried to say, there'll probably be some tears... I guess. Like, even he was a bit kind of like... But, I mean, even at the same time, they're electing to just abandon it. So, yeah. clearly, clearly it's not good enough for them. But Why should it be good enough for anybody else to, to get emotional But it's interesting, it? though, that building, the memories are based around things though, like In Melbourne Tonight and Graham Kennedy and mm. all these shows that basically are from the 70s and earlier. Like, that's... There's not hey, kind hey, of... Hey, hey, it's Saturday, which is, you know, conceptually from the 70s and earlier. Mm. And there's not kind of you know, much since then that's really generated that love. But... But Mil- millionaire, they were sh- they were closing down, right? So the Bendigo Street Richmond Studios closing down. They decided to uh, to hawk everything. You know, everything must go uh, using Gray's Online, which is like an eBay that's been really badly designed. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, a friend of mine who will go unnamed, please listen to this show. You know who you are. Um, he bought some things, including four VHS machines. He only needed one, but they, they came as a package. So if anyone wants to buy an ex-Channel 9 VHS machine, just send us a message. Um, sure. We went down to pick it up, and I thought this would be a case of just, you know, you go down there, you pick it up. No. They actually take you into the building. Like they check your paperwork, take you into the building, and point at something that's still screwed into the wall, plugged in, completely still set up to run. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what you bought. Good luck. It's like really? pick apart. It's it's like the tech equivalent of picking your own strawberries. It's like which you is, actually go in and and then with a screwdriver and like wire cutters, you have to actually extricate. Which is known what? as steel apart. So how many racks of equipment did you actually walk yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. What's what's to stop? You? <laughs> no, well, we just took what's, stuff. what's to stop you taking stuff that you didn't buy? Like what's, what's to stop really. you? I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't do such a right. thing. I <laughs> bought I bought those two. <laughs> 
I bought those two VCRs, but I also bought all of the marble that's well, underneath the floorboards on this look, level. It's, it's all numbered, and there's a bit of a yeah, you know, there's a bit of an honesty system going on. But it was kind of fascinating, and you all help each other. It was like Bunnings. It was so Sunday afternoon at Bunnings. It should have been a sausage sizzle in the car park. We um. Because it's all blokes, you know. Oh yeah, my uncle does a thing, and he wanted this thing, and oh, can you give us a hand? And yeah, and everyone's got their wire, sawing wire cutters, and um, we actually had to cut some stuff out. Like some of it was wired in so elaborately that the only way to get it was actually to cut the cables and just walk out with half a cable trailing out the back of your thing. Um, some of it has really weird powerpoints as well, but it was just. They leave you alone, so then you just wander around <laughs> aimlessly. You know, um, there's, a, there's a, a huge poster of Gabriel Gatte still on the wall. No, one, no one took that. That's sad. Uh, re- yeah. uh, when 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 you say no one took that, what you're also saying is that you didn't take that, knowing full well that we could make great use of it. I know. I, look, I did actually. I did. Uh, I did take one thing, which I only got one thing out. So I was going to give it to Josh, and I forgot to bring it. It's actually a list of the smoking areas for <laughs> for the. For the Katoom Street building. <laughs> so, so should you ever go back in time, work at Channel 9, and smoke, you'll know where to go. <laughs> yeah! Because yeah. So, I, think, I, think like I think Don Lane used to smoke. So I could go and hang out where, where Don Lane would, would have hung out five minutes before <laughs> airtime. That, that kind of thing. Was that the special area with the glass coffee tables? No, different, different. <laughs> Uh, but, but then again, it, it, but then again, actually, no, because when Don Lane worked there, you you could actually smoke on TV yes, as yeah, well. Yeah. So, so they wouldn't. Have- uh, so no, I just. Uh, I can't think of anyone now. But it's amazing, though. So we went for a, yeah, you can go for a wander down the corridors and stuff, and um, things like the the one of the studios overlooking one of the main so yeah the control room looking over one of the main studios. Mm. Things oh, have I'll been, take that. Things have been ripped out. Like things have just been torn out of walls. Like they sold doors. They sold you know kind of anything they could get rid of and. And it does look like, um, I think it's called Pripyat, which is the, the the town that when Chernobyl blew up, they had to get everyone out overnight. And it's still like this intact city crumbling away. That's what Channel 9 currently looks like. And you walked in these corridors and there's just stuff falling apart, stuff that's been ripped out. There are piles and piles of tapes everywhere, like two-inch tape and one-inch tape and everything with these are to be destroyed written all over them. How many of those did you get? Just one. And, um, <laughs> are they are they the sex tapes from the parking lot? Well, mo- most of them are marked as being um, "Hey Hey It's Saturday," which you know, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, honestly, most of them do not have "Hey Hey It's Saturday" episodes written on them. And that's, um, that's great. The ABC got rid of all the Auntie Jack tapes, but Channel Nine <laughs> has years of "Hey Hey It's Saturday" to throw out now. Yeah, so um, it was. I don't. It's just such a fascinating thing because it it was partly so poorly kind of organised. This thing. And I, I think they'll, they'll probably still have equipment left over at the end that people don't collect. There'll probably be another... Oh, know. they'll just wait for hard rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fascinating. Another walk around this building. It's still clearly a television studio. The fact that yeah, everything was still plugged in. Health and safety nightmare. Um, yeah, it was just, just... It was all powered on. It was all just ready and was, to go. was there any kind of uh, emotion amongst the people who were, let's, for want of a better word, scavenging... Uh, the history of television well, in Australia. No. And that's what I thought was interesting, that, that there has been an attempt to create a story out of this. And I think there's a feeling that people think it should be a story. And I think if if GTV9 had shut down in 1980, you know, I think people would have been coming out with the whole, oh, yeah, the glory days Back of when people were still watching and, it. Yeah, whereas now it's just, it's just a place they basically showed stuff that was made elsewhere, you know. And it was just that weird thing of this, this sort of now derelict building, this, you know, dream city, which just... Well, and, and because because they were the last to do it as well. I mean, 
Uh, the ABC has, has largely moved out of Gordon Street. They use it for, for filming, but not for offices uh, so much. Uh, SBS have changed Channel 7 in Sydney and in Melbourne have uh, have have moved. Channel Ten moved from Nunawading to uh, to South Yarra years and years and years ago. I think they were they were the first mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, and Channel Nine was really so late to the game that they couldn't on sell their sound stages to a company like Global and try to make some money out of it. Uh, it's it, yeah, it's but kind of consider like, the money they're making from selling the property. Oh yeah, they've done they've done very well, and 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 because they you know they had they had it in Richmond, uh, although uh, the Nunawading Studios are now also residential. Uh, everything's residential. Mm-hmm. Everything. It'll, it'll actually make more sense though. I think these buildings being residential, you know, where they are, because like, I actually had never been there, and in my head it was in a slightly different position. And I was surprised when I got there, thinking it's just the middle of nowhere. It's just. Yeah, it's just houses. It's just, there's, there's no reason it's for five minutes this on to the be. tram along Bridge Road. To but I mean, it's, it's not like in the industrial part of Richmond. It's more just in the residential part. Oh, like Richmond a, used to be industrial. I suppose apart so. from the workers' cottage, yeah. the, the workers that worked in the industrial, which is which is kind of where Bendigo Street is. Mm. Like that's and uh, and it, yeah, it is it is a strange it is a strange thing. But it was like it's also a really beautiful street. I think they'll do very well Should there. Mention too, it wasn't built as a TV station. This no, it was a actually, piano factory. It was yeah, originally a piano factory. Then it was a, a cannery, like tinned food soup factory. Soup factory. Yeah, it was, it was super tin there, and then it's with Television City. So the fact that it's now going to be a fourth thing, I well, think, it's not really a city, was yeah, it? It's kind of nice. It does also have apple trees in the car park, which maybe everyone else knew this, and I didn't. But it's got um, apple trees, and now I'm looking towards Toby for trotters. That thing where where you grow a tree, but you make it kind of grow out, like it's one of those, you know, one of those like a graft Jew- Jewish. Or- um, Candle, like a menorah. Candelabra, like a menorah. Um, I can't remember what it's called. So basically you grow a tree so it's flat against a wall. They've got these apple trees in the, in the uh, car park growing along the wall. That's and they're, they're, about the way they're grafted, isn't it? Yeah, but, they're, but you make them so they're flat so they don't take much room. Yeah. Mm. In the city trees. But they're, they're flowering, but, you know, full of fruit. Full apple of fruit. Blossom. I don't think, no, there, was, no, fruit. I don't think yeah. there was any graft going on at Channel 9. Mm. Hey. Hey. Um, if you want to see some pictures too, we've got some up on the Outland Institute website. Uh, Do what's, they actually what's the URL or is the pool still there under the, the Asheville? Uh, I don't know. Was there a pool? Yes. Yeah. A swimming pool. A swimming pool, yeah. At Television City? Yes. Is that where they shot Man the, O' Man? I, I, <laughs> no, no, so no they actually built that pool specifically for Man O' Man. That was, that was a bizarre outlay of cash. Um, but no, I remember one, one week on Hey Out Saturday where Animal, the drummer, had a broken leg and wasn't doing much drumming. Um, I think might have been a judge on, on Red Faces. I might, I might be... Uh, bring two stories together, um, but uh, put up a sign saying what but what uh, Graham Kennedy said. Yeah. Um, hobbled out on his crutches with a camera following him and, and fell into the pool like, intentionally right. with, with cast on his leg and everything. Right. Well, I, d- I certainly didn't see a pool. No. No, no, it was, it was definitely uh, at least covered over right. and, uh, and made an area. Made into a glass-top coffee table. Uh, <laughs> as a... <laughs> As as an aside, uh, I went to the Astor Cinema a couple of weeks ago and saw, as part of their excellent cinema fiasco uh, season, which is once uh, one Friday every, every month, uh, they have a terrible, terrible movie, and uh, Jeff Wallace and Janet A. McLeod, who has been on this show, uh, basically talk over it and say funny things, which is great. Uh, and they showed Houseboat Horror, which featured Animal. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
It's got nothing to do with anything. No. Um, so, so you asked for the URL of the Outland yes. Institute. I got no idea. Google Outland Institute, or it's linked from the box. It's uh, outland.wordpress.com, I believe. The Outland Institute WordPress. Look, just Google it's it. Something. It's going to be the first one on Google. Yeah. We really do need a thing for this for this segment. Oh, I was going to cut. I was going to cut. I had to at least. Oh, that's Ross McQueen. Ross McQueen. Yeah, Ross McQueen, who started this show, Brett. So that you'll hear his voice in that quotes. He he started this show with us. He was John before John was John. He took the seed of the show and he planted it into the podcast loam. Nature grew. Nature grew. And now we're harvesting the seed. Did he let it grow flat up against a wall? Up against a wall. I wonder what that was called. I'm tempted to say spated or something like that, but I could be making that up. You're always tempted to say spated. Oh, yeah, that could be it. We'll go with that. Yeah, but save it for trotters. Yeah, save it for trotters. Save it. Save it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, speaking so of which, uh, uh, did you know Steve McQueen's grandson is in Piranhas 3D? N- I did not. He is. That is another good reason he to see that the film. He is the lead. Paul Shear is in it. Uh, so, uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss is in it. Uh, sure. Playing playing the character that he see, played in Joyce. John, this is why I shouldn't do asides, because that just encourages <laughs> Brett. And before you Did go, you there's a huge pile of asides and no show. And no show. <laughs> uh, Celebrity Apprentice started last week again in the US, and I have to say that this year's celebrities are amongst the best ever. Are you are you a fan of The Apprentice at all, John? I don't mind The Apprentice, because I, I like the fact that you hate these people, and they all lose. Yeah. That's quite appealing. I'm more keen on the English one, though, because I find Alan Sugar both kind of more charming and funnier and slightly scarier than, than Donald Trump. Have you seen any of the Celebrity Apprentice, though? No, no, I haven't. Because the, the Celebrity Apprentice has just surpassed regular Apprentice in, in the US. Uh, celebrity, celebrity Apprentice is on almost every year now. What's the definition of celebrity? Celebrity. Apprentice? Interesting, you should ask. <laughs> so, uh, well, th- this year they actually have ce- celebrities, but in, in the past they've had, you know, such and such was a swimsuit model uh, or was an Olympian. Uh, you know, no one can remember Olympians' names. Uh, although they did have Nutty Common each one year uh, and have had, you know, they've had some, it's been kind of a mixture. Uh, a, a mixture of, of celebrities, but this year, uh, in the men's team, because they split them up, men versus women, because that's the way nature intended it's it. Got to be kept apart. That's, that's how business works. Mm-hmm. Amongst amongst others, they have Gary Busey, Jose Canseco, who is a, a baseball player who appeared in uh, The Simpsons, oh, I believe. Not, uh, not the Indian from the village people. Then. No, not the Indian <laughs> from the village people. But also uh, wrote. Uh, wrote a book called Juiced, which is about how all of baseball is run by steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's really funny because one of the large things with The Apprentice is that the uh, celebrities have to call on their celebrity friends to come down and donate money for charity, and the team that makes the most money wins that challenge in, in some of the challenges. And Jose Canseco is just going, yeah, if this was five years ago, I could have called on anyone from the MLB, but uh, now no one wants to talk to me, so I have no idea what I'm going to do. That's, that's pretty funny. Uh, a rapper called Lil John. Now, it's not little like, and then just uh, contracted because there is no apostrophe. It is L-I-L John 
I've never heard of him. I have no idea who he is. Uh, he's he's one of the first Gosh. people. Get get with it. Come See, on. I, I think they just invented it for the show. Lil, Lil Jon's re- released a lot of. They uh, couldn't get little Kim, stuff. so they, you know. he is he is very much. You're aging yourself as well, John. <laughs> he's like he's like a parody of of a rap star. It's like it's like he saw Flavor Flav all those years ago, and it, um, remember when uh, in The Simpsons Homer becomes Poochie. In the Itchy and Scratchy show. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like Pucci is a rapper, right? So Lil John is that kind of parody of, of a rapper. Does he have a big clock? He, he doesn't a have a big but he always wears sunglasses. And, uh, you know, he has his own affectations. He's hilarious. Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> David Cassidy. And the man with our first quote of the week. Survivor winner and tax cheat. Richard Hatch. He was great in Battlestar Galactica. A different, different Richard. Oh, different, okay. different Richard Hatch. I put a few. I put a little thought into a few names. Richard immediately starts trying to pull us together and figure out a team name. For me, like the team name had to have an attitude. It had to be hip because I can't be associated with nothing lame. I just think what best fits this group. You know what fits us? Winners. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so put the that name down. needs to be the winners. I like uh, magnitude. I like pinnacle. Pinnacles are penis. <clears throat> Thank you, Gary. Pinnacles are what? I had pinnacle as one of the things. Penultimate, integrous. Integrous is weak. She's suffering from integrous. Pinnacles are penis. Pinnacles are penis. That's uh, that's Gary Busey. I forgot to mention. <laughs> Gary Busey uh, is in it. Yes, Gary Busey says pinkles are penis, uh, but he also says uh, Integra sounds like a disease, and that yet is not the quote. The quote is Richard Hatch saying, yeah, I had pinnacle, also penultimate. In that way that people think the penultimate means more, more than, than ultimate. Best. Oh, okay. Ultimate. It means second best, Richard Hatch, you dumb idiot. I think they did someone saying, final I, but one. I can't be involved with the thing lame, that's why I want Celebrity Apprentice. That's, yeah. <laughs> Listen, little John. Listen to the words (laughs) as they come out. Winners. We have to be winners. And then I also love Gary Gary Busey comes up with magnitude and it's just crickets. (laughs) See, I'm worried though. I don't think I'd enjoy the celebrity one as much because I like the fact that the real one is just a whole bunch of assholes who genuinely want to be these business people who've absorbed this whole horrendous corporate culture and will go in and say things like, we're working as a team, as a team, and then they will backstab everybody. And it just shows how none of that stuff works. It's like you've never seen people who have lived their entire lives in Hollywood have to try to work together. (laughs) It's, it is so much car crash fun, John. Mm -hmm. So so much car crash fun. Uh, in the women's team, we have, who, who you will hear in, in this clip, uh, Lisa Rinna, or Renner, whatever, Marley Maitland. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the deaf actor, Marley yes, Maitland. Yes, deaf actor Marley Maitland, okay. who you might remember from The West Wing or Children of a Lesser God who was or the that first? Seinfeld episode. Who was the first one? Lisa Renner is uh, married to uh, Harry Hamlin. Okay. Uh, who she's is only in, known for that. Who's in LA Law. And she's, she's an actor of, of her own right. Okay. Uh, and Been anything? Uh, yeah, she was in Veronica Mars. She actually played uh, Hamlin's wife in Veronica Mars. So, real life couple coming together. Uh-huh. Uh, Dion Warwick. Wow. Star okay. Jones. And, like, Star, Star Jones features a little bit in this clip, but the star of this clip is Latoya Jackson. I came up with the name ASAP, and Star liked the name immediately. She goes, that name is perfect. That's a good name. ASAP. 
actors, singers, authors, and professionals for a purpose. Well, I think ASAP is perfect. I've, I've, okay. Our name is ASAP. Yeah! I do not love the name. It's just too complicated. Latoya, what is your name? Our team name is ASAP. And does that mean as soon as possible? No, actually it doesn't. Because <laughs> it no. could. No, no, yes, it means indeed. actors, singers, authors, and performers with a purpose. Say it one more time, it's artists. Artist. So right. we want to do it we one would more be time. Artist, and professionals, Marlon. Singers, <laughs> actors, mm -hmm. authors. Authors, I'm sorry, authors. <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead. Artist, <gasps> singers, authors, and performers with the purpose. Professionals. Uh, professionals. I keep forgetting it's all right. professionals. Don't worry about it. What do you think of their name? I think they're already confused and it shows. You know, <laughs> wow. Game over. We've won. Marley, will you help us? Oh, yeah, we have another thing, too, Donald. Go huh? ahead, Marley. A S S A. The summoning, I see. Wow. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good, that? fellas. Sorry, you like yeah. that? Richard, you like that? <laughs> Mr. Trump, that was good and we wish them well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, yeah, at the end of it, they all sign it and then click, but they do it choreographed. <laughs> like, that makes the name better. It doesn't. Well, I think business professionals, I think choreography is always a very important part. Of, uh, <laughs> it's, if you've got a real estate agent, you'll see them all. Not professional performers, John. Performers. Oh, no, professionals and authors and actors and singers and stars. She so thought that was going to be edited, though. She was so doing that, assuming that they were going to cut it to make her look good. And I did actually feel slightly mean, especially because we, we did me doing 17 goes at that sponsorship spiel earlier. And I was like, oh, dear. Um, yeah, and you, were, and you were reading that. And she, she wasn't yeah. reading this. But... But what I also love about it is that uh, it's it's a ASAP ASAP, but <laughs> the name is you know let's for, for one I can't even remember but it's you know actors singers authors professionals with a purpose. That's so ASAP WAP, <laughs> which is actually better. ASAP WAP. I I yeah. love ASAP WAP because then the WAP is the <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Uh, celebrity Apprentice, it's, you know what, if, if it comes to, and it'll probably be go, if it comes to anything on free to Away here, uh, watch Could it. Could be 11. Well, Channel 9 have had all the, all right. so pr probably go if it's anything, but maybe Fox 8, they had it a while back. Who knows? Uh, but if you get a chance, what well, it is hilarious, and, and so far it's only been one episode, but and, and I've only seen about half an hour of it, but it has been the most hilarious of them all. Larry Postman, I have a letter for you. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Now, j just quickly, letters to box cutters. We had uh, a letter from David Sidwell a couple of weeks ago. John, you remember that yeah. uh, said it was curiously prescient. He, yes. he, well, well, I think this has been in the this has been in the works for a while. He was asking whether or not we would pay for something like the BBC iPlayer, uh, you know, to, to use it from here if it was a paid option. And it's not on the market yet, but they have announced that they're working on. Uh, it's an app for the iPad at the moment, so it's only the iPad iPlayer app. But it's going to be roughly $10 a month, and you'll be able to access all the BBC programming that you would normally be able to see on the iPlayer. Also, oh, not actually from a computer. 
Not yet. No, all, all they, they announced so far was the, was the pricing. And even the pricing is a bit vague. This is all a bit vague at the moment, but there was actually like an Is it £10 a month? No, $10. It's actually $10. Oh, $10. Australian? Yeah, US. US, I would assume. Um, but yeah, that was the actual announcement was that they're expecting to be about $10 US a month. And it's interesting because it means you will be able to watch things like Doctor Who, you know, weeks before it shows up on the ABC. All these programs that the BBC is presumably also selling to international stations, you well, will be able to watch directly from them. And has an interest in showing on BBC America in, in the US. Yeah. I'm sure it'll take a while before that would appear in the Australian iTunes store because they'd have to negotiate with ABC here. Uh, but, so it's, but it's interesting, though. It's an interesting thing that, that Casio David asked about it and the fact that the BBC is obviously... Maybe the fact that it is an iPad app means that it's not for watching on your television with your family. It's just for watching by you yourself, and maybe that's going so to be their argument. Completely different market. Yeah, so you know, a TV station can still buy their programs to broadcast them because that's still more of a mass media than this version. But it's, it's interesting, and it's also very cheap. And the reaction in the UK was kind of funny because... Things like the Guardian just reported it, and you know, people discussed it. Um, things like the Daily Mail went into hate rage thing because it turns out this is going to be half the cost of a British television license. So it was all damn foreigners taking our shows, not paying for them, and people going, "Well, uh, actually, you know, they're not getting the Symphony Orchestra and the, all the other stuff you're getting, and also they're watching a selected number of shows on a thing elsewhere that they wouldn't be paying anything for. It's bonus money." But the Daily Mail reader doesn't take well to that kind of logic. Or the editor. No, no, no. It was, it was quite hilarious to see how the Daily Mail covered it. Doesn't uh, take well to it. Can, can ignore it sufficiently <laughs> yeah. to beat it up into something that's completely not. Yeah. So, John, with, with that in mind, because you said that you would pay for it, now that there has been a price put on it, say $600 for an iPad on, on average, let's, right? $600 well, for an iPad plus $10 a month, is that money that you'd be willing to... Well, I, I don't really see myself rushing out for the iPad. That's the problem. But this is obviously the first step towards it being, you know, a, a larger thing. And certainly for the computer. And I was thinking about this after we discussed it, because I know that, Brett, you were saying you don't watch really enough English television to make it worthwhile. Hmm. And it occurred to me, one of the things I would actually be interested in, because it would mean I could watch the shows that I don't like well enough to bother torrenting or searching out in any other way. So things like Nevermind... Why would you do that, John? So like, yeah, never mind the Buzzcocks, which is... is you know, the, the, the Spicks and Specs. Hey, if Mark Lamar and Phil Jupiter and, and Sean Hughes were still on there, yes, I would do that, but, but you know, not now. But that, I, know, I know, it's a bit, but that kind of show, the yeah. kind of show, the kind of English show that I think as far as the slightly mindless entertainment, I think they do better than most other people and are quite watchable, but I wouldn't bother going out of my way to find, that would actually not be a bad thing to have for $10 a month. So, yeah. I, I, so if, if it was available on an app on your Android phone, for example. No, so, I can't imagine ever watching anything on a phone. I find that's insane. Really? It, I, watch, yeah. I watch things on my phone. No, I I've can't, got, I can't. I've got the iPhone 4 and I watch things on that. And I actually don't mind it because, because I'm close up to it. I, I might be watching it on a bus or something, but because of the lack of distance to it, it actually doesn't make... And, you know, I'm not watching amazing uh, visual effects series on, yeah. on it. I, you know, it might be an episode of Modern Family or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Perfect Couples. But no, for, for, <laughs> for, for me, it would have to be either on the, on the computer or through my Magic Sony box. I've got the Sony Media Player one, which basically connects to your telly and that's you watch all that stuff you illegally downloaded onto your computer on your television. Right. Which is quite lovely. I got a, I got a similar thing a couple of weeks ago, a Seagate mm-hmm. uh, box that is just a 
a wireless link from uh, from my PC to my television, uh, and it does plug into a CRT television. So that's a win for everybody. Mm. The Sony box is nice because it also has programmed into it things like the ABC iView and, and the SBS one and stuff like that. They're actually oh, that's good. built into it. So if And there's a, at least one subscription music channel in that box. So if, in theory, the BBC added that yeah, to that sort of thing, $10 a month. Oh, see, that's, yeah. that, that's good because this, this has YouTube and Flickr and some other things built into it. But if it had iView built in, that would be fantastic. Mm. Uh, Brett, you were looking at me curiously when I said CRT television. Why? Uh, I was uh, I was thinking, uh, wondering if you meant by that a uh, coax output to go and see your antenna. But it's no, no, no. RCA. it's uh, yeah, RCA uh, co- uh, what, as opposed to HDMI video, video left and right, as opposed to HDMI, which is all that the uh, Apple Apple TV has. No way. So we were given an Apple TV a Bastards. while back, and oh no, it has HDMI and. Uh, and digital component out. So there was nothing I could do with it with my old CRT television, which works perfectly fine. I'm not willing to give that mm. up yet because mm. it's, it's wonderful. Those mm. are scattered around the streets of North Fitzroy at the moment. <laughs> and they just, sit there forever. Nobody picks them up. Like, obviously, you can't give them away anymore. And, and if you come for a walk around North Fitzroy, just every corner there's this sad you know, cathode ray telly that's tried to make a run for and it. I'd, I'd like to- it's got the remote on top. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to put this out there to uh, to people who are buying a new television and getting rid of their old cathode ray television. Find out if your council has an e-waste program because rather than just put them out on the street, you can take them to an e-waste program. A professional will go through them, strip out all the relevant materials. They get recycled into other electronics pro- products, or sometimes they get uh, refurbished if they're still in good working order. They get refurbished. To uh, to be given away to to people who maybe can't afford them, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so worthwhile. And it might be half an hour of your time. Uh, it's just uh, all of my e waste I take to the city of Port Phillip uh, dump, and uh, and you know, and you know what? It's also sometimes fun to just. Station, I think, Josh, it's, no, it's a dump. <laughs> uh, it's also fun to sometimes just go. Oh, this computer that I paid fifteen hundred dollars for all those years ago, and throw it into a pile of other junk. <laughs> and uh, it just there's something really satisfying about that. I highly recommend it. If you do want to send letters to box cutters like David Sidwell did, hooray at boxcutters.net or more easily, you can use the contact us link on the blog at boxcutters.net. Brett Cropley, very quickly, if you're going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? My one thing is on Thursday night. It's on ABC One. It's at nine thirty. It's called Whites, Episode One. Uh, don't know anything really about it, but it's starting, and uh, I'd check it out. It's a comedy. Racist. Yep. Oh yeah, that's meant to be good. I can't remember anything about it either, but it did sound good. Mm. Oh, it, it's Matt King's. Uh, oh, really? It's, it's written by Matt King. It's set uh, in who, a... Who was based here in Melbourne for a while. We've seen him Peep Show. Yep. Um, it's about uh, chefs. It's set in a restaurant. Uh, the first series did really well. Oh, and the BBC... Alan Davies in there as well? Yep. BBC has no oh. money, isn't making a second series because the first series was just too expensive and they can't afford to make shows anymore because they're... Their budget's being cut. Right, so, so it's, called, it's called Whites on the ABC what time? 9.30 Thursday night, okay. ABC One. John? Um, I will be watching The Almighty Johnsons. I'll be going to New Zealand, possibly back in time. It's up to episode five or something. I haven't watched any of them. But um, you might remember uh, we mentioned it as a thing to look forward to this year. It's the show about uh, a bunch of guys living uh, in New Zealand who are also Norse gods reincarnated, and there's a lot of nudity. 
So, looking forward to that. Uh, I uh, Interesting that I didn't go to the US last week to take part in South by Southwest, which I really wish I had, but, you know, no regrets. But I will be going to the US this week to watch the final episode of this season of Top Chef, which will air Wednesday night on Bravo in the US. Uh the penultimate episode, Richard Hatch, was uh, was excellent and had heaps and heaps and heaps of drama in it, uh, and had a a final kick out that had uh, Lindell and I applauding, actually audibly applauding, uh, and with your hands, with our, with our hands and shouting, yay! Uh, it was uh, if we could have been bothered, if we weren't so lazy, we probably would have stood up. <laughs> Uh, so I highly recommend that it's going to be a killer finale. I can't wait. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Mm. You know what? I can't wait anymore. I can't wait anymore. I want Toby Halligan to come in with Trotters. Toby Halligan. What... Have you got for us? Firstly, welcome back from Canberra. Uh, thank you very much. How did uh, how did the gigs go? Very well. Very did well. anyone come up to you and say, "Hey, I heard you on box cutters"? No. Right. You're very husky today. I yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit husky. You're, you're a bit Tom Waitsy. I'm a bit. Um, yes, indeed. I had the piano's been drinking. I I helped. Actually, no, Toby. Toby has been drinking. Oh, okay. And I, the piano. And the piano. I um I helped my um partner move house and um. I'm not sure why, but Jägermeister wound up being involved <laughs> in the moving process. And um, I can recommend that to everybody. It will facilitate <laughs> shifting cupboards. Um, it may not facilitate the cupboards remaining in place for a long period of time, but yeah, food for thought, food for thought. Um, okay, so just to uh, clear up a couple of quick ones to start off with. Espalier trees uh, is the name of those kinds of trees well, that thank are. You. Could you could you espalier that for me? E S P A L I E R. Espalier. Espalier trees. Espalier. Espalier. Espanol. No speaker. La langue bruta. Donde esta la casa de Espelier? Espelier tree. Um, uh, the Outland Institute. You got that right. Um, people. <laughs> <laughs> Outlandinstitute.wordpress.com um, If people are interested in e-waste, um, it's pretty simple. You can just Google it or you could call 1-800-E-WASTE. Um, it's apparently one of the companies that does it, but there are a variety that deal with it. Yeah, don't just chuck it on the nature strip. It's just, it makes it makes you, your neighbourhood and, uh, and everyone who comes to visit you look like a pack of incense. But also... Bastards. Everybody knows that you've got a new flat screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, you're just you're just saying to Flagged to thieves. Books. You're just saying to thieves, come and steal from us. I don't, I don't think they allow thieves put, in my area. It's all just, just vintage ah. babyware and, and and bread. We've right. just put this out here on the footpath so that when you guys come and take our new one, we can bring it back in. <laughs> yeah. We had nowhere else to put it. My dog also always pees on those TVs. Like so, I, I really hope people aren't collecting them and actually reusing them. <laughs> Smell pretty funky and probably be a danger. Um, Hobgoblins. Interestingly, there was actually, let's hope that this uh, TV series, Hobgoblins, is better than the film that was made in 1988. <laughs> is it a Joe Dante? Was, this was a no, film that was 
Written by Rick Sloan, <laughs> produced by Rick Sloan, and directed by Rick Sloan. Rick Sloan did the cinematography, <laughs> and Rick Sloan edited it. It was named on episode 907 of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 as probably one of the worst films I have ever seen. It is so, It is in the IMDb list of 100 worst films of all time. Yeah, yeah. As is Hobgoblin 2. <laughs> well, they made a sequel. Um, so uh, there's that. Now we were talking. Now we're getting a bit legally, and um, uh, uh, those of you who are not regular listeners may uh, not be aware, but I actually wasted six years of my life getting a law degree. So every opportunity to use it. So um, there, there have been a few cases. Wait, wait recently. to think positive. I know. Well, well, listen to my voice. Um, uh, so there have been a few cases recently. This this is obviously regarding the games and stealing the format. Where um, the block, for example, was the subject of litigation in 2005 when Channel 9 sued a company called Ninox over allegations that Ninox, uh, that had made that Ninox's TV format, they'd made another show called Dreamform or something like that, uh, Dream Home, had just copied. Uh, Channel 9's format. And in that case, uh, the court found that while there were similarities between the programs, they were too broad to constitute a breach of... of uh, sorry, Ninox had copyright of Dream Home, so the block was supposedly in breach. Um, they were too broad. So elements such as the tone, the mood, the overall thrust of the programs were considered to be different. So copyright law doesn't protect a mere idea um, it only comes into play when such an idea is recorded in a material form. Now, so, so in this case, if it is, because they, they, they've both done a very similar so visual approach. If it's handheld, documentary, style, yeah, deadpan. Yeah, a satire of a particular style of sporting event. Mm-hmm. It might be, yeah, it might well be a breach of copyright law. Though, note, that is Australian. Like, that's Australian, the, the Australian standard. So whether the British standard would be different or not is... And in, in this question. case, would... Would the company actually have to find the the BBC in breach of the English copyright law? Like, would it be enough for yeah. them to find them in breach of the Australian copyright no, law? No, no. I think they'd be governed by the, the British law. Right. Um, yeah, copyright's an interesting one, actually, because, you know, sometimes it is possible to bring suits, for example, American companies, when suing for copyright with, you know, CDs and a whole variety of things, have um, sued in particularly favourable states. So states that are particularly harsh on breaches of copyright um, and then people have, you know, still uh, have lost the suit in that particular state and thus had to pay a higher, you know, uh, price because of it. So it's, well, it's, it's Church of Scientology has uh, historically sued people for, uh, for, for uh, what's that word when you slander someone? Libel? Defamation. Sure. Uh, in, uh, in the UK rather than the US because uh, the US is almost impossible with freedom of speech as part of the Constitution, and yep. in the UK you can. So, uh, yeah, they, they do go to other territories to do it. So yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I really hope that, uh, that if it is a direct copy, or if everyone thinks it's a direct copy, that John Clark and Ross Stevenson get a little bit of money. Mm. Yeah. This is interesting. There was also a case involving the panel a few years ago as well, and there was um, uh, an example involving... Big Brother, but they related to slightly different issues. So, so anyway, there you go. I tried to. There's a bit of insight there. 
We were talking about the number seven, and I thought it might be fun to bring out a few more facts about the number seven. Seven, the fourth prime number, is not only a Mersenne prime since two cubed minus one equals seven, mm -hmm. but also a double Mersenne prime since it is itself the exponent for another Mersenne prime, one, two, seven. It is also a Newman Shanks Williams prime, a Woodall prime, a factorial prime, a lucky prime, a happy number, a safe prime, and the fourth. Digger number. That's math. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I just saw that list and couldn't resist reading it out. It just had Ch to come out. Channel seven. Uh, channel seven. The number seven has magical properties. Yeah. Well, apparently. Well, it's a happy number. Yeah, it is. It, it leads to Wikipedia users putting far too much information onto it. Uh, perfect couples. Um, uh, or <laughs> I, I enjoyed Brett's review. I thought you could have just said it was better than a punch in the thyroid. And it would have saved <laughs> us all a lot of time. But, but I, it gave me a bit of an inspiration. I thought we should, we should think of who, you know, some perfect historic couples. You know, Gaddafi and Charlie Sheen is an obvious one. I think you get some great gold out of that. That's, that's more the odd couple, though. That's a da, 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 da. yeah. That's a sitcom. But they've, yeah. been, they've been kind of having, you know, like a delusion off for the last week or so. That's, but I'm not sure true. they've ever been seen in the same room together. Ah, oh. maybe, maybe you're onto something there. Genghis Khan and Yoko Ono. I think you know she might have just mellowed that out. You know, that Mongolian conqueror and then Central Asia would have irrigation infrastructure. <laughs> as long as he was uh, optimistic about it. Well, yeah. Genghis, Genghis Khan tried to break up China. Yeah. You're going to do hey, break up the Beatles. Hey, wow. Uh, See, we're they, getting they connections do. here that no one would have seen. Yeah, exactly. Jaws <laughs> and a King Cobra just because a, spa, a shark that spits poison is such a cool idea. And also I had a few that would facilitate tabloids, um, uh, tabloid couples, all involving Warney. Uh, <laughs> Warney and Delta Goodrum because they could call them uh, Gandhi. It's a bit like... Uh, yeah, <laughs> Warney and Gretel Colleen, they could call them Weddle Carney, and, and Warney and Tony Windsor, which would be Warnser. I just thought that was just, yeah, interesting. Um, Bendigo Street, did you know that both um, Jeff Kennett's grandfather, I think you had this in the same article, John B, you didn't mention it, but um, I thought it was worth mentioning that Jeff Kennett's grandfather, uh, Hugo Wertheim, actually erected it, as you said, originally as a piano factory, and it wouldn't have been built but for Bob Menzies. Because he, um, this Wertheim had been looking around. For, former Prime Minister of Australia, yeah. Robert Menzies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Wertheim had been looking around for a site and um, uh, he, he was about to give up. And he, he bumped into Menzies. And Menzies said, this will be the place for a piano factory. Uh, <laughs> this will be. Uh, Melbourne uh, uh, Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Menzies suggested uh, a, a whole variety of uh, several locations, including that particular location, that wound up being built there. And so, John, are you saying that Menzies was Batman? Yeah, Menzies was secretly Batman. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, but Bendigo Street is not actually in Bendigo. In Richmond, not that many goes through. Yes, there you go. Anyway, yeah. that's that's all I got. Thanks so much, Toby. Uh, anyone I feel informed. I, I feel I feel informed and entertained. <laughs> Venom uh, spraying sharks, though. I think Sharktopus did, did that not uh, spray. I don't, think, I don't think. Well, ink, but not venom. It can just. Venomous can you imagine ink? a great white shark that like sprayed venom out? Like it's a bit unnecessary, obviously. I just <laughs> like the idea. It'd have to be out of the water, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, no. Yeah. But isn't that idea cool? Isn't that idea of a flying shark that sprays venom? 
<laughs> an amazing idea. Apparently, this was uh, Piranhas 2, was the flying Piranhas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, l- uh, last week, we had Dave Lawson on. I just want to clarify for, for listeners, this is, this is what's happening from, from now on. John Nelly's okay. Le- Nelly's fine. Nelly's actually going to come back. Uh, we're going to take a, a break for a few weeks, uh, but Nelly's going to uh, come back for one episode to give us an update on Survivor, the Ooh. latest season of Survivor. She's our special uh, uh, reality correspondent. Survivor correspondent. And news that I didn't mention this week, but uh, probably should have, because I realised Nelly wasn't going to do it because she's not here, uh, is that Survivor has been signed up and Jeff Probst has also been signed up for another two seasons. Wasn't he serious? He was, but they've renegotiated so mm. that's uh, that's how it, but yeah Nelly's going to come Not back enough money uh, in, uh, so we're going to take a little break over uh, what will be comedy festival in Melbourne and uh, come back and Nelly will be part of that to tell us uh, to, to give us her survivor summary which I'm looking forward to John Richards every second week and then alternating in those other weeks Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson if you don't understand that that's then we've made it too complicated yeah. for you anyway that's a Heidegger number of uh, of hosts and Courtney Hawking's a happy number. Yes, yes, yeah. she, yes, she is. Maybe we should put a little calendar of co-hosts up on the <laughs> on the site. Yeah, just let people tune in and discover. Oh, it's John Richards one, excellent. I, and in theory, oh, it's Dave Lawson one, excellent. Oh, it's Courtney Hawking one, excellent. See, they're all excellent. You've already just said that. And in theory, and can I can I preempt? I don't know if I can. In two weeks' time. In two weeks' time, we will be having uh, a slightly edited but still audio version of the Acme live event that uh, John and I hosted a few weeks ago. Uh, we'll have the interview with Pat Mastroianni, who played Joey Jeremiah mm-hmm. in the Degrassi series. He's had a uh, face squatting uh, procedure. He, he has. Yeah. He has. And, uh, and there'll be, you know, a lot of visual jokes that you might not get, but we will have an edited audio uh, version. And, and we're only editing it for time. Uh, rather than taking crap bits out because there were no crap bits. We should get should get that posh English woman who does the uh, Doctor Who DVDs for the for the blind. Oh, yeah, yeah. you can turn it on. She goes, a monster is approaching. They pick up the gun and fire. I would love that. Yeah. At the very beginning, it says for audio navigation, press enter now. Do we have a budget for this? Terribly job? posh. Do we have a budget? I don't think we do. Right. So. Let's not have her. Let's not have her. Uh, so next week, uh, Courtney Hocking, not Courtney Cox, not Courtney Thorne Smith, but Courtney Cocking. Will we? Courtney Cocking. Uh, see, I did that because of Courtney Cox. Yes. Damn you, Courtney Cox. Lucky you didn't say cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am lucky. Well, it almost Courtney- came up last week talking about Jeremy Hunt, the uh, culture minister from the UK. Courtney Hocking will be in the John Richards chair until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I'm Toby Halligan. And I do continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, so And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal, Brett Cropley and John Richards. Brett Cropley is our audio engineer. Peter Wilson coaxes all the bits out of our servers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell everyone you know and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That will help other people find us and would mean a lot. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Find them in Melbourne, Australia on 102.7 FM or at rrr.org.au. There are lots of ways you can contact us and you'll find them all at our website at boxcutters.net. I just I, I want nobody to mention that last bit to Courtney because I'm always interested to see if the co-hosts listen to the episodes that they're not in. <laughs> uh, so we'll find out. Nice. We'll, we'll find out next week.
John, what are you going to do for the next fortnight? Uh, I'm, I, I, I don't know. Right, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What? I am going to go to the Brunswick Green on Saturday, the 17th, 19th, of, of the 19th, 19th of May. Of, March. Of what March. is it? March. Yes, Saturday the 19th of March <laughs> for my trial show. I'm at 3pm at the Brunswick yes. Green in Sydney Road. Brunswick, yes. Victoria. Okay. Maybe we could post a little link. Compa- no, Politi- no chance. Politically erect. No, what's it called again? <laughs> Electile dysfunction. Electile dysfunction. <laughs> I love politically erect. That should be your sequel. That's next year. Politically erect. <laughs> politically erect. <laughs> Uh, everyone, yeah. everyone comes up with great names months after registration, <laughs> don't they? That's Everyone's a, a winner. That's the nature. That you know, uh, I did hear, I did hear another great name for for a show that you can do. Maybe, maybe next year. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, I really do. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to, or have just missed, Box Cutters. <laughs>